knowing what is written. The Spirit will write on our hearts all that is written and spoken. It's the Spirit who engraves it on our hearts by His own power, so we can live out what's now written on our hearts. 2 Corinthians 3 For it is written, four incredible powerful words which define everything in Him, and I mean everything. To not know what is already written is to not know the Father's intent and purpose for His will, His plan, His intent for all things now and the future. We will be deceived and ultimately led astray by our flesh from everything that is for us in His Son if we do not know what is already written. The adversary is also on a mission to lead us astray from all that is written in Him because he is fully aware of what is possible for a people, a church, who has come into all that is written. This is the church, the sons, which creation is longing to be revealed on earth. God has given us absolute conclusions, and these conclusions are in alignment to what is written. The flesh wants to resist these conclusions. The world and the adversary wants to give us new conclusions. So we must come into all that God has already written through the power of revelation. Otherwise, we will be guilty of creating our own version, our own plan and purpose, our own will in his name. And this is the plan of the enemy. We will have zeal, but not in accordance to knowledge, which is dangerous. Romans 10 verse 2. Let's look at Matthew 4 as our starting point. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Verse 3, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil said, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Not knowing God's already written down, already established purpose and plan leaves us in an extremely dangerous and vulnerable place. We are left very open and exposed to every and any lie that our flesh, the world, and our adversary wants to throw our way. The adversary even uses God's own word, it is written, to try and deceive us and destroy us. And we see this happening in verse 6 where we see Satan use the word of God, Psalm 91, 11 to 12, but out of context to get Jesus to act outside of God's will, his design, his truth. The enemy will lead us into what is written, but it will be opposite to the way of God and the context of God. How deceptive to have you believe and do something that is written, but out of his will, his way, his pattern. Satan knows that when we live outside of what is already written, we create our own version of what is written, 
And this life leads us into spiritual death and not life. He deceives us into thinking our way, which we create using Jesus' name, will bring us life, but it brings spiritual death. Satan is winning through this strategy. This is why Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 11, 1-6 for us. We see in this passage Paul warning the church at Corinth that he was afraid that as Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness, the church in their minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He told them that they readily bear another Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel beautifully. Everything that is written is concealed and discovered in Christ, hence the enemy leading people astray from a simple and devotional life. To be works-focused primarily is to be led astray. This is all part of Satan's purpose and plan, to deceive and lead astray God's people from what is written, and to have us receiving the false reality. He is fully aware that a church that knows and is coming to know all that is written is a immovable, all-powerful, more-than-conquering church, which will ultimately sentence him to his destruction. What does the enemy know what is written for God's people, which we don't? What is the enemy not wanting us to know and see? It's when we start to come into this truth via revelation of what is written that we awaken the demonic realm and also all flesh. The opposition gets ready for battle when followers start seeing and living in accordance to what is written, for it is written. To not know and to not be coming to know what is written is to turn up to a war as a civilian with no training and weaponry and get slaughtered. The enemy is having a field day with the church because many in the body have zero reference for what is written. Most only know the elementary principles of God. We also see this in the lives of Jesus' disciples. We will look at this later on. Let's start with, for it is written reality, by looking at Matthew 4, and then moving through other passages. If the enemy starts by trying to deceive Jesus from what is already written and finished, you better believe he will attempt to lead astray and deceive all of Christ's followers who also desire to come into all of what is written. Those followers who are asleep to the spiritual reality and dimension, the enemy isn't bothered by or in. He has no need of working on these believers because they are asleep and in spiritual apathy to this life and reality. They don't consider these truths to be accessible or even a reality to be received. Ultimately, many are in unbelief to it is written truths. The attempt of Satan to lead Jesus astray from the it is written kingdom starts in Matthew 3, 17, where we see God's voice say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God is sharing his truth and his reality as to who Jesus is. And he also tells us we too are sons of his, and Jesus is our brother, if we are in Christ. God calls us and has chosen us to be his children, not of human will, but of God's will. John 1, 11-13 Just like Satan is attempting to deceive Christ and get him to question his identity, he will also speak the same lies to us as well. 
Notice the comment he makes is very suggestive, and he does it this way to try to create doubt. He says, if you are the son of God. Satan is the father of lies, and his strengths are lies, deception, and temptation. These are his schemes of how he leads us astray. He has no authority except the authority we give him by not knowing who we are and the authority we have been given. All he has is the opportunity and space we give him from not knowing who we are. So when he says to us, if you are a son of God, how do we respond when God says we are his sons? The Bible says in John 14, 30 to 31, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. When Satan has nothing in us, like he had nothing in Christ, we become his greatest nemesis, because he has nothing in or on us. He can't use anything against us to control us or to keep us in bondage. Because Christ has freed us from our sin and iniquity, our past, present, and future sin. So we can be faith-focused, Romans 1.17, Habakkuk 2 verse 2, and centered on all that is written for us to come into. All that is written has been established in God before the foundations of the worlds. We are to discover what is already there. And this is why we must live by faith in Jesus, like Paul said. Faith and it is written are intertwined. If we have no faith or little faith, we will have little knowledge of what is already written. When he has something in us, he can work with this. Then we are in trouble because he can use this against us with his lies. He speaks lies and has a way of making the truth sound like the truth, even when it is God's truth but out of context like before. He challenges us with, if you are the son, and we must know we are a son, otherwise we will be sitting duck for his onslaught, and we will be tossed to and fro by his lives. We will believe the seed of lie rather than the seed of truth. The enemy follows up this, if you are the son of God statement, with another statement that is attempting to lead Jesus astray from what is written. He says, command that these stones become bread. Satan thinks that Jesus might be weak because he has just come out of the wilderness for 40 days where he ate and drank nothing. What he is unaware of is that Jesus had been with the spirit and receiving spiritual manna or spiritual bread, which was sustaining his physical needs. It's only when he comes out of this wilderness that he becomes physically hungry. The enemy sees this as his opportunity to strike and get Jesus to step outside of God's plan and way by telling him to turn stones to bread. He is saying, go on, Jesus, meet your own need. You know you can. All you have to do is say the command and it will happen. If Jesus doesn't know what's already written and established, then there is every possibility and likelihood that Jesus goes against his own father's design and conclusion and does something anti-God. This is what Satan is ultimately after for Jesus and all his followers, disobedience. To not know or live according to God's predestined will 
but to have us thinking we are. Satan's hope is that like him, we become disobedient to the Father's way and will. What's hilarious is that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the word of life and nothing has come into being that has not come into being. So he answers Satan from the it is written truth, which he himself has established. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. Verse 4 says, He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The spiritual truth is a man that is not entering the word of God is not really a spiritual man. They are a natural man who, yes, has the spirit in him, but lives from a natural, fleshly food source and will never become the follower God desires. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3 How can we expect to become mature sons if we are not eating the food source, the word of God, that God provides? Not only do we not become his followers, but we have absolutely no impact for the Father and his will being established. We certainly won't receive any reward now, or in the future kingdom. Jesus is speaking from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 and bringing to light what is written and had been written and spoken years before and before the foundations of the earth. These words are spirit and life and they are the words that created the worlds and create the life in us. These words are concealed in Christ and only the Spirit can reveal the life of these words in our heart and mind. It is these words and word that brings us into the it is written, unseen but very seen dimension. We are to receive our bread from this dimension as his followers, so we can accomplish and prove his will. As we look at in Deuteronomy 8, it is God that gives his conclusions, his commandments, and leads them into the wilderness to test their hearts and feed them new food, which they haven't ever heard. So they would know that man cannot live on bread alone, but only on what God supplies and provides. God let them be hungry so they can come to understand the why, the why they needed true bread, the Christ. This was the first attempt of Satan to deceive Christ and it will be how he attempts to deceive us. Let's look at the second attempt. Verse 6, The devil said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The enemy knows what is written, and he uses this to try and deceive Jesus into once again doing something outside of his father's truth, his way. This is disobedience. He attempts to get Jesus to step outside of the father's conclusion, his father's pattern, and operate in an anti-God position. Jesus is aware of this attempt and responds from his father's predestined conclusion. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus knows there are two sides to the coin and that it's the narrow edge where his father's truth is. He knows the enemy speaks what is written, but he also knows this is not in context to what is happening right now. So Jesus comes back with what is also written, but in context. The enemy has once again been thwarted by Jesus 
because Jesus knows what is written and answers in an alignment to this. Jesus fights the lie with the truth, and so must we. We then see the devil go in for a third time in an attempt to deceive Jesus into glorifying him and walking in disobedience to the Father. The adversary proceeds to offer Jesus the kingdom of the world and their glory if Jesus will worship him. Jesus comes back with, It is written, You will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, Jesus uses the seeds of truth, the word of God, to fight the spiritual battle with the devil. As mentioned before, to not know the word of God is to turn up to a wall with no training or equipping, empty-handed of any weaponry. Verse 11 says the devil then left and angels came to minister to him. In the book of Luke, it says the devil left him, waiting for another opportune time. When we are living for what is written and declaring his truth into the earth, we will always come under opposition from the kingdom of darkness. It's not if we will, but when we will. What is hilarious is that this offer by Satan to Jesus, read the kingdoms of the world, would have been of zero appeal to him. Jesus was with God at the beginning and all things have come into being through him. So he is fully aware that the worlds which Satan was offering him were all perishing. It was Jesus himself who said heaven and earth were going to pass away and there would be a new heaven and earth. All that Satan had to offer was a world or a kingdom that was perishing. And yet if one doesn't have this knowledge of what is written, then one looks at this as a very attractive proposition and more than likely succumbs to the illusion, deception and temptation, falling into the devil's trap, which is, causes spiritual death. Many in the body are anchored and founded in a world which is perishing. Their focus and priorities are worldly and are constantly choosing their own worldly wills over God's eternal will for his body. Many followers have their personal will firmly established and add God to their lives. There are a few who have God as their life source and God willing and allowing they add the other parts that most have as their foundation. Once again, this is a very dangerous and fragile reality as all these things can implode at any given time and be taken away. The reason why many followers still view the world as attractive and are engrossed in the world is because they have no revelation that the world and everything in the world is dead and promises life, but in fact is dead and lifeless. Many followers are still deceived by this reality and have no reference for what is already written. Hence, spiritually, they are dead because they are not eating food which endures to an eternal life. We still think in living for ourselves, we will create life, and it's all a deception. This is Satan's plan to keep us unaware and in the dark. Peter writes this incredible reality in 2 Peter 1, 20-21 about, for it is written, look at the words of verse 20 and 21 as it describes the dimension that the scriptures are prophetic. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. 
prophecy of scripture. The scriptures are prophetic in nature. What does this mean? It means they declare a future now reality. The scriptures declare the future of what is in Christ. Jesus fulfilled approximately 375 prophecies when he arrived in physical form. And there are still many prophetic promises within the scriptures, within Christ, that need to be received via the Spirit. So they are no longer prophetic, but they are a present-day reality. These prophetic promises received prepare us for all things. No wonder Proverbs 25.2 says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Within the scriptures are concealed promises for the church to come into within our hearts and our minds that God has predestined to be there. The purpose for this is that we would seek him and come to know him the way he intends. So we come into all the life he has for us and we are fully capable of demonstrating his wisdom and bringing glory to his name. This is all part of the church being made ready. Revelation 19 verse 7. 1 Corinthians 8, 2-3 says, If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Both these passages are the evidence that the Father is very interested in those who will seek him because they love him and are interested in all that is concealed in the Father. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-16 is the scripture that wraps up this prophecy of scripture. There is a warning within this passage for us in 2 Peter 1.20. It says that we are to know first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. It's not up to us to try and figure out our own interpretation of the prophetic scriptures because the scriptures, the living word, don't originate with us but God. It is the role of the Spirit to reveal these scriptures within us. It goes on and gives us the reason for this reality. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. This is consistent with all the other passages that teach it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us and leads us into all truth. It's the Spirit who teaches us all, and He is to be our teacher. 1 John 2, 28 If man isn't moved by the Spirit, meaning if the Spirit isn't revealing in and to us His Word, we should keep quiet, because all we'll be doing is giving our version of His Word. And this breaks the warning that Peter is giving us at the start in verse 20. Next, we will go and look at the scriptures that declare this predestined written and spoken reality. And after this, we will look at the reality of this happening in Jesus and Peter and the connection of faith and what is written. Acts 3, 11 to 25. Within these passages of scriptures, we see this, it is written beforehand reality and dimension. Verse 18 is an example of this. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he has this fulfilled. It was written beforehand. Beforehand means just that. It was written in God before it actually occurred. 
This is the evidence of the it is written reality and dimension that we as his followers must all come into. The book of Revelation is full of an it is written beforehand dimension. John writes in verse 11, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. It's the spirit that tells him to do this. John is looking into an already in play reality and he has to write it down of what is already is and send it to the seven churches. It is a beforehand reality so that when it happens, the church is prepared and prepared for the outcome of all this truth. Look at Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. The word heed means to pay attention to, take notice of. Pay attention to and take notice of all that is it is written. I wonder if we are obedient to this instruction. Most followers don't see the book of Revelation as something that they can know and understand, but we are to. It says, blessed are these people. What are they blessed with? They are blessed with the reality of the life that is contained and concealed in what is written in this book. Acts 3.24 is another example of the beforehand dimension. Verse 24, And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. These days that Luke writes about were announced by Samuel and his successors in the past. They knew of the reality, the it is written dimension, and spoke of it. Let's have another look at another passage which declares this for it is written dimension. Acts 13, 27. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. Even though the law was read every Sabbath, the rulers never heard the law because they were not of the Spirit. These people accomplish what was written in the scriptures by killing Jesus. How crazy is it that the people who are supposed to be of the law, which was written, couldn't recognize the one who would fill this very law? John 7, 19. It is no different today. Those who are supposed to be of the word of Christ don't recognize this word, just like the Jews didn't when it is spoken, and yet just live like the Jews. It is constantly being read out every gathering of the body, and the written reality is concealed in the living scriptures. The synergy is scary, and yet the exact same reality is currently happening today as it was 2,000 years ago. Jews who weren't aware of, for it is written, and a church who aren't aware of, for it is written. Verse 29, when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. These verses are another example of the beforehand dimension. Jesus said he would be raised from the dead but no one could hear him the way they needed to. So when he died, no one was prepared for this reality and were downcast. By the grace of God, we are so incredibly indebted. Otherwise, none of us would ever arrive where we are supposed to 
and receive the life he has for us. Here are a whole lot of other scriptures which declare a beforehand dimension, a predestined reality. Acts 13, 48. Acts 17. Acts 26. Acts 22, 14. Acts 4, 28. Acts 2, 23. Acts 10, 41. Acts 3, 18. Psalm 139, 15 to 16. Galatians 1, 15. Jeremiah 1, 4. John 6, 44 and 55. Romans 8, 29 to 30. Romans 9, 6 to 23. Romans 11, 7 to 10. Jude 1, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 11, 18 to 19 and 1 to 24. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5 and Ephesians 1, 11. Revelation 13, 9 to 10. Revelation 17, verse 8. 1 Peter 1, 1 to 2. Job 14, verse 5. The evidence of this predestined for it is written reality is very clear to see from a scriptural reality. This next verse is essential and critical in coming into the life of what is concealed for us. Romans 10, verse 2. For I testify about them, Jews, that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Who better to know this truth than Paul himself, the man who writes this truth? Once a Jew who had a zeal for God, which was second to none, but not in accordance to true knowledge. He was convinced everything he did was in accordance to his knowledge of God, and yet the absolute opposite reality is at play. Saul's zeal was in accordance to his own version of God, his own version of knowledge, John 17.9. And this had him living anti-Christ and persecuting Christ, Acts 9 verse 4. This was the posture of many Jews, and it took a supernatural encounter with Jesus and the baptism of the Spirit to awaken him out of his deception. What does this mean for us? Everything. Where have we received our knowledge of God from? Where does our zeal for God come from? Is it from the knowing, the knowledge of God and his purposes of what is written? Or has it come from our version of him and our own version of his ways? Flesh and blood cannot give us this knowledge. Matthew 16 verse 17. Matthew 10 39 says we must lose our life for his sake if we truly want to find life. It's so easy to lose your life for your own sake, being guilty of Romans 10 verse 2, thinking you have lost your life and live from this way of self. These people get extremely defensive and can be very aggressive when challenged in love by his word. We can do a lot of Christian works and still be the source of our own lives. We can never grow fruit if this is the case, even though we can do works and supernatural works. Unless our knowledge has come via the revelation of the Spirit, we too may have zeal for God, but it will be exactly the same as Saul and this pharisaical spiritual posture of pride. We will give the impression we are in him and his way, but ultimately we are of the kingdom of self. Those who are truly in him can discern the difference between the two heart and the positions. 
This leads us beautifully into Matthew 26, where we see Peter as an example of having zeal for God or Jesus, but not in accordance to the true knowledge. This has him living in the opposite way of Christ when he is to be flowing with Christ. We don't want to be a stumbling block to Jesus like Peter was. Peter has a true knowledge of who Jesus was because the Father revealed this knowing, but he didn't have a true knowledge of the way of God. Hence, he is operating from this opposite worldly demonstration, the wisdom of the world in defending Jesus and cutting off Malchus's ear. Let's have a look. Matthew 26, 51 to 56. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must happen this way? Isaiah 53, 1-12 At that time Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me, as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. The key truths of which there are many in these verses are these words in verses 54 and 56, which say, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way. And, but all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Peter didn't have this knowledge, but he had zeal. Acts 13.26 is another example of Romans 10 verse 2. Once again, this is clear evidence that there is a predestined reality and dimension in God which the church needs to come into through the power of revelation via the Holy Spirit. Jesus is fully aware of this concealed dimension, hence he is the one who is speaking of this to Peter. The scriptures, what is written by the author and perfecter, declare this reality beforehand by the prophets, and they must be fulfilled by the certain way. What is occurring right now is the outworking and the completion of what was written in alignment to God's design before the foundation of the worlds. This is incredible and a reality we as his church must, and I mean must, enter into if we want to discover the why and the life behind it all. For this is not to occur, puts everything that is in God's predestined plan in jeopardy and risk. How can any of it come to fruition unless everything takes place to fulfill what is already written? There is no way Peter can come into who God created Peter to be unless the predestined scriptures, what is written, are fulfilled. And yet here we see Peter operating outside of these predestined scriptures because he has zero reference or knowledge for what is written in relation to the way of God. We too can live exactly like this, wondering why we too are not in the life Jesus promises us because we are living in direct opposition to what is written. 
we have zeal, but not in accordance to the knowledge of truth, because we have no idea of what is concealed, written beforehand. This sees us living our own lives, living in opposition to Christ, never knowing this and rejecting his way. For us to receive and come into this full life in Christ, we must be continuously coming into more and more knowledge of who he is, and we must be continually coming into the knowledge of his way. If this wasn't the way of heaven, Jesus says to Peter that he could call on more than 12 legions of angels to help him. He is saying, I don't need your help, Peter. I have an army of angels who I can summon, but this isn't the way of heaven. Just like taking up the sword isn't the way of heaven. When anyone raises the sword, he is anti-God. God's ways are written for us to know. But if we don't, we operate from our own way or what we think is his way. When in fact, all it is, is our version of his way. Peter's zeal wasn't in accordance to the knowledge of God. It was sincere and he thought he was doing the admirable thing to do and the right thing. But this is only right in his own eyes. When we do things which are right, but only right in our own eyes, these things lead to death and keeps us out of his life. Proverbs 14, 12. This is the reality Peter is in right here. And he is being another stumbling block to Jesus again, like he was in Matthew 16, 23. And we can be exactly the same. Matthew 26, 51 to 56 is not the first time he is completely unaware of what is written beforehand, which need to be fulfilled. Let's also look at Matthew 26, 31 to 35. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. Within the space of two conversations, we see this, for it is written dimension being declared. The prophetic scriptures, 2 Peter 1, 20-21, that are declaring a living true dimension, which Jesus speaks, which are about to take place, and yet Peter is completely unaware of it and is very vulnerable and exposed to what is coming. Peter is wide open to receive a blow that can completely take him out and have him no longer following Jesus and his purpose. Many followers who get hurt, get hurt because they are completely unaware of what is written. So when life turns up and his word, persecution, etc., they aren't prepared for the hit. They don't lose their justified position, but many never enter God's will because they withdraw from him and the body. They walk away from what he is doing within them and also with his body because we have no reality of an internal change and work being done. We just think we are walking away from everything external. Hence, we have no concept of what he is really up to. We have no idea we are committing spiritual suicide, and yet the evidence is clear by our lack of change and transformation. 
Jesus knows what's written. He is speaking from a predestined dimension. And this is the dimension we are to be living from if we are to be living the life we are called for, which glorifies his name and accomplishes his will. It's a dimension we can't change or alter, but one we must come into and live our lives from. There are no ifs or buts or maybes. It is what it is because he has already written it and he is living out what is already written. Hebrews 4 verse 3, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Let's see what Jesus says and let's see what Peter says. Verse 31, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me. I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. I will be raised and go to Galilee. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Verse 33, Peter said, Even if the others do, I won't. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. The disciples said the same thing. Jesus spoke four statements of truth from the for it is written dimension, and Peter spoke two statements from his own dimension, along with the other disciples who spoke the same dimension. Matthew 26, verse 70 72 and 74 are the evidences of what is declared between Jesus and Peter and the other disciples. When we don't know what is written, we don't live for what is written. Because we are blind to this predestined dimension, we create our own reality in his name. We come up with our own methods, ways and purposes. We, through the gifts God gives us, end up creating a man-centered and man-anchored version of God's version. The problem is, is that it can sound and look exactly the same as the original, God's, but it's a counterfeit. It's a copy of the original, and though there is an element of life associated with it, it can't and doesn't produce the life that is promised and discovered in the Christ in the for it is written dimension. The role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into the fullness of the predestined it is written realm the kingdom of God, life now eternal and life future eternal, and our inheritance depends entirely on us knowing this realm and reality. The disciples of Christ had zero reference for this realm when Jesus walked with them, and we can see this in all the time. He would declare it to them, but they couldn't hear and lived opposite to it most times. Hence he said they had little or no faith. They had little to no faith in what was already written in the prophetic scriptures, declared by the prophets and the Psalms. The entire Bible is full of prophetic promises waiting to be uncovered and found. Jesus himself is the mystery in which all that is written is hidden and concealed. The modern day church is very guilty of creating its own version of his church. Many builders are still like Peter was and haven't fallen on the rock and been broken into pieces. So they continue to build in their own image, and they think they are doing it God's way. This is the great deception, when we are still the source of our own lives. As mentioned, it can say the right things and looks the right way, but it never produces the eternal life Jesus promises us. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Matthew 4 verse 4, 
Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 10. For us to be able to live like this, it is written, life, we must be eating the right bread. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3 is Paul teaching about this very fact. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are all still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Paul couldn't speak to the Corinthians as to spiritual men because of the food they were partaking of. He desires to speak to them the solid, meaty food of God, but he can only speak to them as men of flesh. Why? Because of the food they are eating. Spiritual life equals spiritual food, the word of God, which equals spiritual men. Physical life equals physical food, natural food, men of the flesh, physical, the world. When we don't partake of the it is written reality, the concealed word of God, we are exactly like the Corinthians. We are fleshly and walk like mere men. And the church that God is looking for, a mature church, isn't established in the earth. We must have a faith that is anchored, centered, and established in it is written. The predestined, unseen, seen, eternal dimension. Otherwise, we have no faith and can't live the life we have been called and chosen for. This is what Paul meant when he said he no longer lived, but the life he now lived, he lived by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, I live my life from the full conviction, what I am fully assured of that is discovered in Christ. I live from what I am coming into, in Christ, the bread of life. It is a continuous reality of more and more life in Christ. This is why the scriptures also declare the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1, 17. As we know, Jesus is the author of the story. Hence, Jesus is living his life from, for it is written, and not towards it is written. Too many followers are living towards a reality and not from a reality. When we don't know what is written, we will always be living towards life rather than from life. Living by faith means to live from the life, giving convictional knowledge you have received within you of Jesus Christ. This is because Jesus is also the perfecter of faith. He is perfecting us in accordance to what he has written and what will be. The more of this dimension is in us, we will live from him and not towards him. They are very different dimensions. Philippians 1.6 says, God, who began this good work in us, will perfect it until the day of Christ's return. It is a perfect work of transformation within us, going from glory to glory in Christ from what is already written. As Christ, the Spirit, reveals in us the word of God, what is already written, we become the fullness of Christ-likeness, which is the bride's preparation for the marriage of the Lamb. The context for all this transformational life-changing dimension is in verse 5, which says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. It then goes into verse 6 about God doing a perfect work in accordance with his work through the gospel. 
This means did we receive a work within us when we received the gospel or just make a decision based on an explanation of the gospel? The word participation is the golden word here to partake of the work of what Jesus accomplished through resurrection power is the true gospel. Anything less than this is just a mental agreement of what he did. Not wrong, in fact right, but not the partaking of the gospel through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.12, which is what we from the first day, the second day, the third day, and every day we will live from until his return. We can attempt to know and understand the, for it is written dimension, from the living or towards reality. They are very different and produce very different things. One must experience the posture the author and authors write from to truly know the position of life they are living in and declare. This is what makes it the it is written, the prophetic scriptures that the Holy Spirit needs to reveal in us. When we attempt any other way to know this truth, we create the false gospel, the counterfeit, the different spirit. Jesus, the gospel, it sounds right, but isn't the word. It leaves us unable to live out truth and be the wisdom of God on earth through demonstration. We may have a great talking game, but we have a terrible living game. What we say and teach and what we live are completely different. Let's look at this final passage of scripture that declares the reality we are to be in as his church. Romans 15.4 For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures are there for our instruction to produce within us hope. Jesus is our hope. And he is the hope of our lives. The scriptures declare a reality which creates within us hope. Through this process, God grants us to be of the same mind with one another. But this is in accordance with Jesus Christ. It is this reality where we have the mind of Christ and we live from having his mind. This in turn brings about the oneness of voice which we glorify our Father with. We can all relate to the fragrance of the knowledge of God wherever we go. This is the word of God that must come forth into the earth, which declares from a place of absolute accuracy who God is, who we are in him, how he sees us, his purpose and plan. All of this reality can be discovered in the for it is written dimension contained in the prophetic scriptures. As we live from this dimension, wisdom, gets vindicated by all of her children. Luke 7 verses 35.